0: This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to the Flourish at Home Show. Your host, Mary Jo Tate, is an international book editor, the homeschooling mom of four boys, and the author of Flourish, Balance for Homeschool Moms. Mary Jo loves to help moms find peace, order, and balance by sharing practical tips, inspiration, and encouragement. Visit her website at flourishathome.com. And now, here's your host, Mary Jo Tate. Welcome to the first Flourish at Home show of the new year. I'm Mary Jo Tate and today's episode is about how to set goals that will outlast New Year's resolutions. Did you make any New Year's resolutions this year? We're three weeks into the year and if you're like most people you may already be having trouble meeting them. How are they working out for you? Many people resolve to lose weight, for example, so the gyms are packed full in January, but the crowd soon dwindle down to the seriously dedicated. In fact, I recently read an article that said up to 80% of people who make resolutions on January 1st give up by Valentine's Day. That's only about six weeks. That's why I prefer setting goals to making New Year's resolutions. I don't think this is just a quibble about terminology either. You can set goals any time of year, not just January 1st, and goals represent a deeper commitment than the typical New Year's resolution. Good goals also include a plan for accomplishing them. Maybe you don't care about the terminology. Maybe setting goals seems like a time-consuming luxury that you just can't fit into your busy life. Maybe your only goal is just to survive another day. Please hear me on this. The busier you are, the more you need to set goals and create a plan for meeting them. I've learned this through personal experience. Back during my high school and college years, I got by with just a weekly planner because I had only myself to take care of. When I got married and started having children, I added a to-do list that once grew to 30 pages. That wasn't very helpful. When my sons were nine years old, six years old, four years old, and six months old, my husband moved out of our home to marry another woman. Suddenly, life got a whole lot busier and crazier. On top of homeschooling, I was suddenly the sole financial support for my sons, so I had to kick my home business into high gear. For a while, I just flew by the seat of my pants. It was all I could do to survive. When I had an editing deadline, I'd spend much less time on homeschooling and housework. Then, when I didn't have an editing project, I'd try to make up for lost time with my family. I jokingly called this my planned neglect rotation cycle, but it was no joke. I kept telling my kids, if I can just get past this one deadline, things will be different. I believed what I was saying. I wasn't lying to them, but I was fooling myself. After a couple of years of living like this, I realized I was going to have to be much more intentional if I wanted life to be more than just tackling one crisis after another. That's when I began developing the system of goal setting and planning that I use today. It has made an amazing difference in my family's life and my coaching clients and the readers of my book, Flourish Balance for Homeschool Moms, tell me that it has been a powerful help in their lives as well. I'm telling you guys, this really works. Here's the bottom line. Setting goals is not just one more burden to add to your already overwhelming to-do list. It's a proven tool to help you manage that list and live a more peaceful, balanced life. Now, when you're setting short-term goals or long-term goals, I have found it extremely helpful to think in terms of three major categories. Personal, family, and business. When you homeschool or you have a home business, there's some overlap among these categories, but everything you do will fit into at least one of them. If you don't have a home business, you may even want to think of homeschooling as your business. Dividing your goals into these three categories of personal, family, and business helps you see the balance, or maybe the lack of balance, in your life and prioritize accordingly. You won't always have the same number of items in each category. That's not the point. Some weeks will necessarily lean more toward business, family, or personal commitments than others. But, if you have 25 items in your business list, 5 in family, and 0 in personal for week after week, you are headed for burnout fast and something needs to change. When you make goals, they need to be specific and measurable. Not vague and general like, be more patient with my children or get more done. If you can't measure it, how can you know if you did it? For example, instead of saying that you want to get more exercise, which is pretty vague, you could set a specific goal to walk at least 30 minutes, at least five days a week. That's easy to measure. Did you walk 30 minutes? And did you do it five days? Yes or no? It's very clear cut. If your goal is to do more fun things as a family, for example, you might set a goal for a specific activity, Like spending an hour reading aloud one night this week, playing a board game for family night, or having a picnic at the park on Saturday. You need to be able to look back at the end of the week and either say yes, you did it, or no, you didn't. How big should your goals be? Well, I think it's interesting to look back to how we thought when we were kids. Kids instinctively think big. When my second son Andrew was 11, he often photocopied editing projects for me. One day he was musing and he said, maybe I can get a job doing this for other people. I told him, you probably could, but you'd only make minimum wage. He was flabbergasted. Minimum, he said, why can't I have the maximum one? He had a lot to learn about economics, but I loved his automatic inclination toward the maximum. As we grow older, though, the everyday demands of life often crowd big thinking from our minds. If you're in the early years of having babies and training toddlers, just getting a decent night's sleep can seem like an unattainable aspiration. I remember those years so well. Bringing up children well and creating a loving, vibrant home are important jobs with real eternal significance. Don't lose sight of this on the inevitable hard days. Thinking big will look different at different stages of your life. Charlotte Mason offers this wise counsel. Do not let the endless succession of small things crowd great ideals out of sight and out of mind. Isn't that a great quote? I want to remind myself to live large, not small. Don't just settle for what's comfortable, but stretch yourself and grow. Now, I do emphasize being realistic and setting manageable goals. So is it a contradiction for me to urge you to think big? Absolutely not. The challenge is finding the right balance between setting realistic goals that you're likely to accomplish and stretching yourself by thinking big. One key to finding this balance is setting big long-term goals and smaller short-term goals. Whatever goals you set, you need to write them down. Unwritten goals just aren't worth very much. You can fool yourself so much more easily. I have three million things to do this week, but I can do them all. But when you see those three million items on a written list, the gap between what you need to do and the time available can be really scary. Writing down your goals forces you to be intentional, not to fly by the seat of your pants, but to plan, prioritize, and make sure the most important things are getting done, even if not everything is getting done. Nobody can do it all. We all have to make tough choices when it comes to setting priorities. Writing things down will help you do that wisely. For example, I used to have a personal goal to walk 30 minutes a day. One night I got a late start, my legs were hurting, and I was ready to quit after only 20 minutes. Then I thought of that piece of paper with my goals, and I realized if I stop now, I can't check that off my list, and I'm just going to be shortchanging myself. Because I had written down my goal, I kept walking for 10 more minutes. My legs didn't hurt any worse. And I had the satisfaction of knowing I had met the goal that I'd set for myself. Written goals add a layer of accountability that will help you stick to your plan. Now, even as much as I know about the value of goals, sometimes I've fallen into the trap of skipping my usual weekly goal setting because I thought I was too busy. What a mistake! I've learned over and over again that the time I thought I was saving by not planning wasn't really saved at all. It was more than offset by the resulting frustration and inefficiency. The more overwhelmed you are with the challenges of life, the more you will benefit by writing down your goals. Another great way to hold yourself accountable for meeting your goals is to share them with an accountability partner, coach, friend, or mastermind team. This provides a great incentive to stay on track. Last year, I was struggling to be consistent in taking a lot of nutritional supplements that are very important for some health issues that I've been dealing with. It has never been easy for me to swallow pills, and it was becoming much too easy for me to neglect them when I didn't feel well. Finally, I asked my mastermind team to hold me accountable until I firmly established the daily habit. We have a private Facebook group for our mastermind team, so every day I posted a comment there when I finished taking all the supplements for that day. I knew that if I didn't post, my teammates would ask me about it. There were many days when the only thing that made me swallow all those pills was knowing that I'd have to face their questions. Just like writing down your goals, sharing them really makes them come to life. Of course, be sure to share them only with people who will be encouraging and supportive as you strive to meet your goals. After struggling through my first few years as a single mom, I developed seven planning tools that help me balance, not burn out. These are the seven tools that I use. One, big dream. Two, yearly goals. Three, monthly calendar. Four, weekly plan. Five, daily tasks. Six, running to-do list. And seven, stop doing list. Now you may be thinking that seven planning tools seems like a lot, but no matter how many or how few lists you use, you still have to make decisions in each of these categories. We'll look at each of these tools in detail in the Flourish at Home show in February, or you can go ahead and learn how to use them in my book, Flourish, Balance for Homeschool Moms, which is available at flourishathome.com. I want to close today with some questions that you can reflect on to help you take action on what you've learned. Number one, have you already established the habit of setting goals? Why or why not? If not, spend some time thinking about how setting goals would help you and make a commitment to do it. Number two, do you think big? Why or why not? How can you stretch yourself and get out of your comfort zone? Number three, how will you keep yourself accountable for reaching your goals? Is there a trusted friend with whom you can share them? Setting specific, written, big, shared goals has made a huge difference in my life, and I hope that it will do the same for you. I'll see you next time on The Flourish at Home Show. Thanks for tuning in to The Flourish at Home Show. For more encouragement, visit Mary Jo at flourishathome.com. The Flourish at Home Show is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.